Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. And today's guest um, is Lauren Jackson. And Lauren's story is a very um, interesting one. So we initially planned this podcast episode to talk about credit. Um, Lauren works for a really amazing company called SelfLender. And SelfLender is a fintech startup that has a mission to help people build credit particularly those people who may not have access to traditional financial products. And they do it in such a way where you are going about building savings for yourself as opposed to taking on debt, buying things you don't need um, just to build credit. And so our initial plan was to talk about credit. However, um, we're going to tie it into Lauren's personal story, which is how her medical debt impacted her credit. And so what I didn't realize was that the cause of Lauren's medical debt was something incredibly major. And in our email communications, she hadn't mentioned that. So I just thought, oh, maybe she was, you know, like an illness she recovered from or just it never really occurred to me that it could have been something really major because our email conversations were just really light. And so on this episode, Lauren shares how she basically dropped dead while working out and came back to life, and basically everything that happened from there. So you will find me being caught unaware doing this episode because I just wasn't expecting it. And we had talked about re-recording the episode, but then I was like, this is such, this is really great for people to hear, to learn her experience. Um, so insightful. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy listening to this. And I'll tell you a little bit more about Lauren. So she's a writer who is passionate about the intersection of business and social good. And she believes that you can have an amazing life even if you don't have the best health or the most wealth. Also, while Lauren does work for a self-lender, all of the opinions that she states in this episode are her own. And we had a little bit of audio issue. Um, so you may hear me going in and out. So I apologize for that in advance, but you will still be able to get the gist of the episode. Um, you won't miss out on anything. But before we get into the episode, if you haven't already stopped by Clever Girl Finance, please do. We have brand new content on the blog every single week. We're adding a ton of really great uh, topics on the blog. We are launching new courses every single month as well. So if you head over to clevergirlfinance.com, you'll be able to see what courses we have launched and you can sign up to join our community and get access to our mentors, which is part of the membership when you join Clever Girl Finance. We've also enabled one-on-one -on -one coaching with our financial experts. So you can get personal finance coaching on anything from student loans to budget budgeting, to family, to even business coaching with me. So just head over to clevergirlfinance.com slash coaching to learn more about that. And if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, but you love what you're listening to, please do. And please leave a five-star review on iTunes so that other people, amazing women just like you, can find this podcast as well. So let's get into this really insightful, interesting, um, very, you know, just deep, um, <laughs> conversation with Lauren. And you guys are going to hear me laugh a lot as we go through the episode because that is just how I channel my emotion. But I was like, I had tears in my eyes. I was all over the place, but um, it's a good episode. So enjoy listening. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. Hi, Bola. Thanks for having me. So I am very excited to have you here to talk about um, your journey with credit and just have a conversation about this really important topic. 
and you know, for you to share your story with my audience. But before we dive in, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Lauren Jackson, and I work for a company called SelfLender, which is really just kind of a financial technology company that helps people build credit. Um, and I think as we move through this podcast, people will get a much deeper understanding of why I feel so passionate about helping to educate people about financial literacy and kind of bettering their their lives in general and their financial lives in particular. Mm-hmm. And you work for a company that basically helps people, helps to support people doing that. And we'll kind of get into that a bit more, but um, I'm just going to dive into the questions. Sounds perfect. <laughs> Sounds great. So, when we were, you know, exchanging emails, you had mentioned that you had encountered a difficult situation that basically put you on the verge of bankruptcy. Like you were down and out and your options were bankruptcy and bankruptcy. And so I wanted you to kind of share some details about what the situation was. How did you get there? What, why was bankruptcy your, you know, the option you were considering at the time? Yeah, definitely. Um, so this was a few years ago. I was 29 years old. I was teaching a yoga class sort of as a side gig. And literally in the middle of the class, my heart stopped and I dropped dead. Um, God. Yeah, just completely out of the blue. No symptoms before, no indicators, had a cardiac arrest. Um, My students saved my life with CPR. I was taken to a few different hospitals, stabilized, spent four days in a medically induced coma, two weeks in the hospital, and I had a heart device implanted. Um, So it was kind of this lights out, lights on situation, and I didn't have insurance at the time. So you can imagine, you know, as this, the shock, first of all, of just the physical and emotional aspects of it all of, you know, being perfectly healthy, teaching a yoga class at the age of 29. And then one day, what it felt like to me was suddenly I was awake in the hospital and my entire life was changed. Um, Yeah. Can I just say that I am, wow. Okay. So (laughs) I didn't realize that. We can talk about a medical situation, but wow, that's so deep, Lauren. Um, First of all, I'm so grateful that you're here to have this conversation and that you you didn't die. Thank you. Well, technically um, I did for 20 minutes. Um, oh my God. That is. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't even, like I'm lost for words. Oh my God. <laughs> it's wow. a very, you know, and I'm very grateful that I'm here talking to you too, because you know what the doctors had told me at the time, you know, I kept having people coming up to me in the hospital saying you're a miracle, you're a miracle because it's something like, of the thousands of Americans that experience a sudden cardiac arrest outside of a hospital each year, it's like less than 6% of them survive, period. And then out of those 6%, less than half of that amount survive without severe brain damage. So yeah, so I'm here, I'm talking to you, I'm alive, you know, so that's just so many things to be grateful for. Yeah, thank God. That is is a miracle. Wow. Okay, I just... I'm sorry. I just had to. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was this. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you can imagine you, you finally, you know, get out of the hospital, right? I finally got home and I was just at the point where I was still so exhausted and I had been kind of living paycheck to paycheck at the time. So 
I'm in this situation where I'm physically hardly capable of sitting upright and I'm, you know, on all sorts of pain, painkillers, recovering from surgery, unable to work. So unable to bring in any money. And then here I am all of a sudden, you know, my, my husband, who was my fiance at the time, he was at work and I was sitting at home and I opened the mail on the counter and it was an estimated medical bill. And the total was, the original total was for almost $400,000. Oh my God. And I hit the floor and I just started sobbing, you know, my, and that's when my husband came home and he found me. He was just, I was laying on the floor and I was sobbing my eyes out because I knew I realized if I sold every single thing that I had ever owned, I couldn't come up with that amount of money. And so that's where the fear and the possibility of really having to confront the possibility of going bankrupt um, came to the forefront because I knew there was, with that amount of debt, there was no way I could dig myself out of that. Um, and that's part of, you know, why I'm on this mission that I am on now is just, I'll never forget that fear. And so again, this is where kind of the second miracle comes in, if you will, is that I am so, so very fortunate that I did not end up having to declare bankruptcy, that I was actually able to work with a lot of the medical providers to reduce my bills to get on payment plans, to do all these other things. You know, I was so blessed with the support of my community, uh, both online, with my friends, with my family, you know, with friends of friends who kind of people who came out of the woodwork to help me with these bills, you know, whether they gave $5 or $100 or whatever, you know, I started to go fund me. And, you know, I had people from high school who I hadn't talked to and, 15 years who would send me a message and donate to help me pay my medical bills. And so between this combination of all these different things, I was able to at least get on minimum payments with a bunch of bills. And so, you know, I've learned so much through this process in so many ways. And I see or hear now so many mistakes that people make with their medical bills, just from lack of knowledge, too, that I kind of want to shed some light on and help people understand so that something that could already potentially be a life-changing situation doesn't become worse. Wow. So you go from waking up one morning, going to teach your, your yoga class, um, mm-hmm. obviously did not cross your mind that you're going to drop dead. No, not at all. <laughs> you know, you were just going to teach yoga. Yeah. And it's a usual this, Monday. Yeah. So this happens. Um, incredible, miraculous recovery where not only did you come out of it, you came out of it still talking, still able to walk, still able to work, not brain dead. Mm-hmm. Less than 6% chance of that even happening. Mm-hmm. And it's this massive celebration and joyous period because you're still here, you're still alive. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then you go from that crazy experience and incredible recovery 
to them being slammed with a $400,000 medical bill. Like, exactly. That's a roller coaster. It was such a roller coaster. It was, you know, emotional whiplash of, you know, I kind of would tell people at the time, I was like, well, you know, the dying part was easy. It's the living that's hard, right? Because when you're, <laughs> when you're, when you're alive, you've got these, you know, you've got to answer the questions. You've got to face the challenges. You've got to, you know, deal with your debt. You've got to, you know, step up to the plate with all this, these things that are being thrown at you. There's just a lot more to figure out. And so, yes, that was definitely in so many ways, an added barrier to overcome an added kind of wake up call <laughs> to say the least. So I have a number of questions for you. Um, yeah. you, didn't have, you didn't have health insurance at the time. Um, did your job not offer it? Well, so at the time I was kind of participating as so many, I'll, I'll say it millennials, you know, do in the gig economy to a large extent. So it was something that I had kind of just said, oh, I'll get that soon. Um, you know, I was kind of in between insurance, if you will, at the time. And it was just kind of a compilation of the worst possible case scenarios, right? You know, despite your best intentions, sometimes life happens. <laughs> yeah. And when you work for yourself, you know, um, insurance is not packaged and handed to you in a nice, you know, little thing like if you were employed by an employer that offers insurance where they they've already negotiated the rates you know mm -hmm. group and all that kind of stuff when you're self-employed you have to make the effort to find the right kind of insurance and then the premiums are not you know depending on what kind of insurance you're getting the premiums can be very very expensive definitely um, but so do you have do you well, I just <laughs> <laughs> My head is just like they're just. So I'm many, sorry, I, I have so I many questions. That on you. I dropped that on you. Ask away. It's a lot. To, it's a lot to process. I understand. So. I'm just. I'm just trying to imagine the experience. Like, oh my god, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, did you? I guess how much would insurance have saved you on that $400,000 had you had it, or had oh. you done any research to determine what the insurance was going to cost you? Like, in, in oh. retrospect, when you think about it. Like, what would you have done differently about this, you know? Yeah, well, here's the interesting thing is, and maybe this is kind of a controversial viewpoint, but um, I, I think it was honestly ended up being better that I didn't have insurance um, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I will say, what I will say is typically a lot of the time, what the role that an insurance provider plays from my understanding and my perspective, and I, I worked in a doctor's office briefly, so I've kind of seen this on both sides, is that typically the insurance provider is your advocate with the hospital so mm -hmm. or the medical provider. So typically they're kind of an intermediary, intermediary excuse me, that goes back and forth to battle the hospital on your behalf and get the rate lowered and get the rate lowered and get the rate lowered. So in the absence of them serving as that, you have to advocate for yourself. Um, and that's the difference. So you do kind of have to be a little ruthless at times, which is not always easy, especially as you're trying to recover. And my heart goes out to whoever might find themselves in that situation currently. But you, you know, you have to advocate for yourself. And there's so many ways you can do this, right? You don't have to call your doctor and start yelling at him and screaming at him and going, I'm not going to pay. I'm going to, this is ridiculous, whatever. I don't recommend that. Um, 
But what you can do is you can call, you can tell them your situation, you can ask questions, ask for a line item bill so you can see exactly what you're being charged for. And, you know, sometimes medical bills, it's really, they're coded differently depending on the person behind the scenes who is coding them for the billing. So sometimes if they code it, if they code an item one way, it can cost way more than if they code it a different way. So, you know, this is where I encourage people to just really get involved in your own healthcare and your own healthcare billing because a lot of providers, you know, they want, ultimately they want to get paid, right? They want to work with you because they don't want to send your debt to collections or not get any money. So a lot of them will work on income-based payment plans, um, you know, work with you on minimum payments, things like that. So that's kind of the biggest advice I give, whether or not you have insurance, it's always a good idea to get a line item bill, ask questions, and really get a deep understanding of what you're being charged and why. And the other thing I would say is that in most instances, not always, but in a lot of cases, medical debt, unless it goes to collections, does not accrue interest. So that's something to keep in mind too. And this is something that's blown my mind since my experience is I hear about or I see people who put medical debt that doesn't have interest attached to it on these high interest credit cards or they take out these high interest personal loans to pay down on that debt. So you've taken what could potentially have already been a large bill and added, you know, 20, 30%, whatever interest on top and made it that much more expensive. And then you find yourself struggling to pay down that credit card debt or whatever, when really in a lot of cases, you can just go directly to your doctor, to your hospital and work something out with them directly. So, you know, I'm really glad that you said, you said that and insurance is, um, it can be a complex topic. Um, that's Definitely. not a topic. can't have that conversation on this podcast. Today. Definitely. I'm, I'm not an expert and I can't <laughs> we'll really have that type here. of conversation. We'll <laughs> until midnight. There's a lot of people yeah. on insurance. There's a lot of, um, a lot of debate also about insurance, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, like who's benefiting, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But at the bottom line, at the base of it, the foundation of it, um, I always, the way I look at, you know, these types of services, insurance or whatever mm-hmm. kind of services, you, you always want to look at it at, at the perspective of, and this is, you know, kind of like me almost like speaking to the people who are listening. Definitely. At, it, at the perspective of what you need and what's going to work for your life, right? Exactly. So, Insurance has its complexities, but the complexities yeah. are going to exist whether or not whether or not you you like it. But then the goal is that when you're thinking about insurance, okay, yes, you hate the system, yes, you, yeah. you know all this stuff, but do like how is this going to be of benefit to your life? And I think insurance is important to have if you. Have oh, it. definitely. I will right? say just to calm your fears because I will say I have great insurance now, and I'm very happy for it, and I'm very thankful that I have it, and it does help. Um, so it, you know, get it, get it, keep it, all that stuff. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I would encourage people to understand either way is to make sure you understand it so you can get the full benefits from it, you know, 
And if you don't understand your insurance, ask, you know, so that you can, because sometimes it's not always obvious what insurance will and won't cover from a medical visit, you know? So just having that conversation and asking those questions so that you can make sure you're getting your needs covered, I think is very important. So bottom line, in my opinion, is just taking that step to be aware and educate yourself so that you don't get unfairly taken advantage of in any sense of the personal finance sphere. And and that's true, you know, but so what I was saying was in regards to insurance, I think it's important to have, if, if it's an option for you, you should take it. Um, I don't feel like cheapest is best. You want to, again, mm-hmm. like you said, look at what is being offered to you to understand. Like you may have a situation, medical situation in your life or in your family that you know could potentially require a lot of coverage that you want to keep that in mind when you're selecting those premiums, if you're employed by an employer that offers insurance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people listening have have either seen people go through experiences or have gone through experiences with insurance. So there is my story I share, which is nothing compared to yours. It is my $45,000 post-pregnancy bill I got, but then I had insurance at the time that covered 90% of it. Mm. And we had another guest on the podcast um, last year who is a cancer survivor and, you know, Mm. her experience dealing with insurance. But at the same time, you know, I feel like for people who are in the gig economy or who are not employed employed or who don't have an employer offering them insurance, the high premiums being offered may, may not be um, affordable, but you want to do research to see what else exists. Mm-hmm. And to the point that you made earlier, um, you know, medical debt is something that I've had conversations about in the Clever World Finance community. Um, a lot of people will take on... Um, you know, take, transfer that debt over to credit cards or to personal loans. Um, mm-hmm. Not because they don't know that some of that debt is interest-free, depending on, you know, the situation. Mm-hmm. Debt, but because there is a fear and mindset factor, um, when you have medical debt, you know, not only do you have that medical debt, but you also have the phone calls and the aggression and the where's our money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That come with that. And I think from an emotional well-being perspective, for many people, it makes them feel very, it, it makes them even more sick because they're so stressed. Oh, and definitely. One of the things I like to tell people is um, the person on the other end of the phone is a human being just like you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the worst thing they can say to you is no. And you brought up a really valid point about the fact that if you're uninsured, you can actually negotiate, call your your, your hospital, go into your hospital to get them to lower mm-hmm. your rates. However, you know, it doesn't, it's never always eliminated. You know, I've had conversations yeah. in my community where they, they only get 30% off or 20% off. However, there is value in getting that 20% off or 30% off or 50% off. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, though, is it's a fine line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because you can yeah. negotiate um, the insurance bill um, doesn't mean that it's easy to do. Sometimes exactly. it's several phone calls. Sometimes they need to come into the hospital in person, multiple times. And like you said, if you are sick and you're recovering or you're trying to spend time with your family member, mm-hmm. this is really difficult to do. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> it's incredibly difficult. This is, it is. And this that's is why. A, this is a loaded, you know, this is a loaded. Um, I, I'm just thinking about this only because, you know, we have a family situation that's going on that's sort of like, you know, in this realm. And 
Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't, it's, it's a, it's a, we have insurance in this case, but it's almost like, imagine if we didn't, and we couldn't spend all this time with this person, mm-hmm. you know, given their diagnosis. I'm just thinking about what, anyway, so. Yeah, well, and that's why I say, you know, it's so important when you, if you find yourself in this type of situation to also find a friend or a family member who will be your advocate. That way they can help yes. you you know, get your support. This is where your community just becomes you have to, such yeah. a powerful resource, you know, is that, yeah. So for me, I was very fortunate to have, you know, the man who's now my husband and also, you know, the support of my mom and things like that of just those people who, when I just didn't have the energy and I had to take a nap, they could kind of pick up the banner and keep going, if you will, you know, so. Very important. Yeah, it's so important um, to to at least find one person who can kind of help you in that sense, help encourage you along. Yeah, and nobody wishes this. I pray this never happens to anybody. But again, it's just, you know, just to reiterate what I always talk about on Clever Raw Finance, on this podcast, on the platform is you want to you wanna be prepared for the unexpected. You want to have a backup plan. And if insurance is going to help you get there, if it's being offered to you, you know, by employer and it's affordable, it's built into your paycheck, just do it. Um, yeah, agree. And super important. So, wow. So, okay. Yeah. Good conversation. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And, you know, it. yeah, I totally agree. Like, yes, plan for the worst and hope for the best, right? Exactly. So, in this going through the situation, right, you 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 mm-hmm. got to a lot of different realizations. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, the money situation was right in your face. It was this four hundred thousand bill that you had to start calling to negotiate, work with your friends and family to ad- advocate for you, set up a GoFundMe. You had to go through this entire process, mm-hmm. and that process of doing that was an experience for you. But I guess was that the eye opener where you were like, okay, wait a minute. I need to focus on my finances. Like what was, how did this experience impact yeah. the way you felt about your financial wellness? Not even, not just your health, but your financial yeah. wellness. So it, it kind of radically changed it, you know, because in a lot of ways, like I had been struggling financially for a while. Um, and it just kind of came to this point where I was like, you know, I'm sick of struggling financially. And I just refuse to live like this anymore. And I need to, you know, just get it together and figure it out. I kind of gave myself a little tough love pep talk, if you will. Right. And um, so then I just kind of started trying to figure out ways where I could, I could change my attitude towards money. This is something I've seen that you talk about a little bit too, is this idea of changing your mindset and, I really think that's so powerful and that's just the first shift that has to happen. You know, if, if at least in my experience, you know, when my attitude towards money was, oh my gosh, I'm never going to have enough. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be able to afford anything. You know, my life started to reflect that. And when I finally just kind of told myself, you know, to get out of my own way and start, changing what I thought was possible. You know, it was kind of one of those things where I was kind of like, shoot, I just died and came back to life. I can make my finances better, right? Nothing seems as difficult after that. that. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I was, so that was the biggest shift for me was just figuring out how to change my relationship towards money, how to change my relationship towards even my own self-esteem and my own attitude towards myself and kind of recognizing these limitations I was putting on myself of what I thought I was capable of. Um, yeah, it kind of busted all that apart and that's where the shift happened. And when it comes to your, your credit, um, mm-hmm. how did this impact your credit? So thankfully, because the reason I, why I asked this question yeah. is because <laughs> we were supposed to be talking about credit. Yeah, I know. We, we went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. We'll get back to it. I promise. Yeah, we're getting back um, to it. But, but I kind of threw you a curveball there. So I kind of knocked us off course a little bit. Um, I'm still like, oh my God, <laughs> let's carry on. Yeah, that's all you can do in life, right? Just carry on. Um, so, you know, fortunately, I did not have to declare bankruptcy. So fortunately, in that sense, my credit was saved. But here's the interesting thing about so much medical debt, right? Is that most of the time when you're paying off medical debt, it doesn't help your credit to build. It doesn't help you build payment history. It doesn't report to the credit bureaus. You know, most of the time it, it, it can't help you to be, you know, in the credit sense of the word, just to clarify, to be making payments on your medical bills. But if you miss them, if you can't pay, if they go to collections, then it can damage your credit report and your credit score for seven to 10 years if you have to file bankruptcy, depending on which chapter bankruptcy you file. So it's kind of this catch-22, right? You have to pay them so that you don't damage your credit but it's not, it's not actually helping you build credit. So that's, that's something interesting that I discovered too, especially, you know, as I've been trying to pay off a car loan or pay off a mortgage as well, is suddenly you have this medical debt that's distracting your resources, essentially, and it's, it's not building your credit like other types of debt could. Yeah, there's, there's a number of, of bills that, you know, you just got to pay them. But when you don't pay them and they get reported to collection, they're, they're gonna, they don't help build your credit, but they can help ruin your credit. <laughs> Definitely. Um, Definitely. Um, so, so, you know, basically paying off the debt was not beneficial to your, to your credit score. But at the same time, you know, it matters and it doesn't matter depending on yes. what you want to leverage credit for in that time, right? So credit is essentially your ability to, to borrow money. <laughs> so it's essentially yeah. your, your debts, your debts ability. How yeah. much debt can you carry? That's your credit score. <laughs> right. And um, if you're, if you have a goal in mind, like you're trying to purchase a house or you're trying to leverage credit for investment property, real estate property purposes, for example, um, not being able to build it when you're paying down massive debt is, is not beneficial, right? Um, and it's challenging because so many people in the U.S. are kind of caught in that cycle, right? Where you're trying to keep up with all these things that you owe, um, but how can you build credit so you can make way for the future things you want to buy and the future life you want to lead and all these things. So it is, it is a big challenge for a lot of people. And yeah. And you know, you, you gotta, you've got to pay it, but how do you do that? And then still build the credit 
to be able to get your car loan or to be able to get a mortgage and to, you know, not just get one, but also get those better interest rates and those savings that come with having a higher credit score. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a valid point. I mean, I think when you're in the, the process of dealing with a situation like this, where you're paying off a ton of debt, um, if, if a portion of your debt, like your student loans or your credit card bills, is debt that is going to, as you pay it down, help you build credit, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of beneficial. But at the same time, I think your credit is always the second priority and your financial wellness is the first priority. So Definitely. You know, paying off your, if you can pay off your debt in full this month, then paid off in full this month, as mm-hmm. opposed to stretching it out for 24 months, paying interest because you're trying to build, quote unquote, two extra points on your credit <laughs> Definitely. definitely. It's a trade-off, right? And you have to, you have to be able to look at the whole picture of your financial situation and everything and kind of determine which, which approach is best for you. So I kind of want to take the conversation back just a little bit because I have encountered people who are dealing with medical debt. And um, so this is kind of like a medical debt slash credit conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They're they're, they're interrelated, right? So it's all part of the life of finance. So So I've encountered people who are dealing with with medical debt and... um, a couple pointers that I, if you're listening and you have medical debt that I know, I know that some hospitals um, within the hospitals, there are organizations that offer charity insurance. I've heard about this before. So you may have to ask or research, but there are some, um, and also depends on like age and situation and medical condition, mm-hmm. but there are some instances where you can actually get this charity insurance to cover some of your, some of the, some of the insurance that, uh, some of the debts that you cannot negotiate, but I think you have to be in the hospital at the time. But anyway, do your research ladies. Um, mm-hmm. But that's where My asking question the around. question comes in, right? Yeah. Just ask yeah, exactly. the question, ask, ask if they have question. it. Yes. Yeah. What would you, what advice, so given your experience, right, you mm-hmm. had the support of your, of your community, you had people helping you set up the Go, GoFund page, you had your fiance, now husband, kind of helping you advocate for yourself, but there are other people who um, don't have those opportunities, right? They don't yeah. have a GoFundMe or they can't raise money in a GoFundMe and um, they didn't know they could negotiate certain types of debt or um, medical debt, or they're just kind of like negotiate as much as they can and they still mm-hmm. have this debt. I guess what kind of knowing what the feeling is like to go through that kind of situation where you have this massive debt, like what kind of encouragement would you give that person that's listening to this? Um, yeah. Especially if they're like, oh, well, you know, I guess she was lucky because. Yeah. Cause I was um, in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, because I am very privileged in many ways, you know. Um, but but that's yeah. not, but at the same time, you know, that's actually that's good for you, right? That's mm-hmm. um, if anybody could have that in that situation. Oh my God, take it! <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. And that's the thing is, you know, I think I think there's a couple things to keep in mind. There are a couple things that I would say is you know, first of all, we have a tendency, or at least I've had a tendency in my past to kind of hold things close and have a lot of pride and not admit weakness. Yes, or, you know, yes. And you got to, when you're in that situation, it breaks you open and honestly, let it, you know, let yourself be vulnerable to the people in your life, you know, open up, ask, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, 
put aside some of the pride and you might be surprised what comes out of the woodwork. And that's yes, exactly what you're saying, because I totally agree. If you, if you did not ask your friends to help you, if you did not get your fiance to help you, if you did not take the initiative to start that GoFundMe, you would still mm-hmm. have that maybe three fifty because you had knocked fifty thousand dollars off a of negotiation. You would still have yeah. this massive debt. So you had yeah. to step out of your comfort zone to get the opportunity and the privilege to be able to get that money, get the help, but you had to come out of your comfort zone. And that's such a great point. So if you're yeah. in that space where you're kind of like, oh my God, I've done everything I can do. Have you like, sometimes you just have to lean on the people who love you to, to help you get through a situation, especially yeah. one like this. Sometimes and, you just have to. Yeah. And that's why, you know, we're creatures built for community, right? So that's why, you know, we, we do have to just open ourselves up to that. You know, we kind of live in a society sometimes that I feel like projects this image of we have to do everything all by ourselves all the time, be totally strong and awesome and never have a weakness. And, you know, I wish life were that simple, but, but it's not always. So that's the first thing I would say is let yourself be vulnerable and be open about what's happening and what you need. And the second thing I would say is, you know, be kind to yourself and celebrate the small progress, right? Because if you pay off 1% of that debt, guess what? You've paid down on that debt. So just keep focusing on those small gains that you can make over time, that you can pay down. And again, a lot of people, a lot of medical providers, again, not all, because like, I can't speak for all of them, but a lot of them, as long as you're paying something, that's, that's what they need from you, you know? So, so just start with what you can and do what you can and have a little grace for yourself, have a little patience for yourself. You know, if you're in this situation, chances are you've already been through something pretty rough you don't need to add your own guilt and your own self-judgment on top of that. And believe me, that's hard work. That is hard work. I can be so judgmental of myself, so I get it. That is a lot of work in and of itself. But just start trying, you know, and just chip away at it slowly. And eventually it'll be smaller, you know, more manageable. Yeah, you have, like you said, you have to be kind to yourself and... Uh, this is, <laughs> I'm so thinking of all these different things in my head. Okay. So now you work for a company that is all about, you know, um, helping provide opportunities to people to be able to achieve financial wellness in yeah. a non uh, gimmicky slash debt laden way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's the best one I could think of. Um, so I'd love for you to share more about um, why did you choose to work for Self Blender and just a bit more about the company itself? Yeah. So kind of, as I mentioned earlier, you know, while I didn't have to declare bankruptcy, I'll never forget the feeling of facing that fear head on. And I understand that for so many people in this country, they're, they're not that lucky and they have to go through bankruptcy and, or these horrible situations that can really damage their financial lives for a long time. And what I love about self lender, what I love about what we're doing and the tool that we're providing here is that we help give, 
we help give people an opportunity to take back their financial lives a little, right? You know, they, they, they have this opportunity, even if they've had bankruptcy or even if they don't have credit or if they've made mistakes with their credit in the past, it's, it's an opportunity for them to change their financial habits, to better their financial lives, you know, and they have to do the work. I like to say, we provide a tool and an opportunity and it's up to people to make the most of it. Um, so basically, in a nutshell, the, the product we offer right now is called a credit builder loan, which basically the bank puts a small amount of money. You, you determine your payment terms based off a few choices. The bank holds a small um, an amount of money in a certificate of deposit, which is sort of like a savings account. And... Each month, you pay towards that loan. You pay a little bit of interest, just like you would any sort of installment loan, like a car loan, for instance. And then once you've made all your payments, the money that you've paid into that certificate of deposit, basically that savings account, unlocks, and you get that back. So the major benefit, because you you are paying a little bit of interest, but the major benefit for a lot of people is that it helps them build positive payment history if they're making their payments on time and in full and all that good stuff. So unlike something like credit repair, for instance, which goes back and kind of removes stuff from the past, self-lenders tool is really all focused on building better habits for the future and better possibilities for the future. Does that that make sense? So essentially, um, what you guys are doing is, as opposed to someone getting, let's say I'm trying to build my credit and I go get a secured credit card or a high, really high interest rate credit card, because then you have mm-hmm. no credit, believe that you're going to get those 20-something percent <laughs> interest yeah. rate cards. So as opposed to me going to get one of those 20-something percent interest rate cards and just finding something to spend money on and acquiring debt, right, mm-hmm. that I have back, um, what you guys do is you create the certificate of deposit and you put an amount into this account mm-hmm. that is locked, right? And so it's almost yes. like in order for you to unlock that amount, you have to pay off the amount to get the money. So you're putting, yes. so let's say the amount is $1,000. Every month you pay $200 for five months. And then in five months, maybe with a little bit of interest, in five months, you have $1,000 saved for you in a certificate of deposit, Right. Basically, yeah. So we offer 12-month or 24-month terms right now, and we've also got a few different payment options that meet your budget. Um, so you can you kind of have a little control over how much you're paying each month. But basically, yeah, that it kind of forces people to build responsible financial habits for a couple of reasons, right? So unlike a secured credit card where you might have to put a $200 deposit down up front, with this, with this credit builder loan, you know, you pay a non-refundable admin fee that's normally somewhere between nine to fifteen dollars, and then you pay a monthly payment. So you don't have to put a huge chunk of money down right up front. Um, so a, it's a little bit more of an affordable option compared to some other options that are out there. And it also kind of forces you to be responsible because you're not getting all this money right away and potentially going to spend it or potentially racking up a lot of credit card debt or whatever the case may be. It's, it's kind of 
holding, hold, it's holding on to all that so that you have to build the payment history before you can even access it. Yeah. And it all gets reported to your credit, right? Which is yeah. your credit report, which is great. And so I've talked to the CEO of your company and I'm actually a big fan because, um, you know, this is, I, you know, when it comes to building credit, like I'm very wary of the approach of taking on debt, um, mm-hmm. especially unfocused debt, like open a store card here, open this there because you're trying to build credit because while you're building the credit, it's amazing, but you're also building up debt. And I like the approach of you have to, it's almost like, Yes, you have to make payments, but you're making payments into a future savings account that gets unlocked for you. So there's a benefit mm-hmm. at the end. You get cash at the end. At the same time, while you're doing that, um, it's this, you know, th- that behavior is getting reported to the credit bureaus. And also, I feel like this approach really helps to motivate someone to um, build the habits and consistency around saving because you know that that thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars is waiting for you at the end and so when you make those small payments may not seem like a lot but at the end of the 12 months you have this money that you now have in the cd that you can take and put towards that goal that you're trying to build credit for so i think that you guys have um, a really great initiative going on and i kind of see how after your experience and the realization of your finances how you want to kind of work in a space that yeah. Um, that helps people, right? Yeah. That that positively impacts people's lives. And that's what, you know, that's one of the things I love about this company is I like to say, you know, we have the mission of a nonprofit, but we're also a company, you know, we're providing jobs, we're providing income, we're providing salaries for people, you know. And so I just, I think that there's a really powerful balance that a lot of companies now, I feel like, are trying to strike too between how do we do good and still contribute to the economy, you know? Yeah, so Lauren, this conversation was not exactly what (laughs) I had planned, but I think it was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this personal part of your life with us. Um, Of course, thank you so much for... My head is like, I'm going to like have all these questions later anyway, but... Okay, we can talk again. (laughs) I'd love for you to share your Clever Girl superpower um, with everyone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a miracle. That's your superpower. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I would definitely say, you know, my, my Clever Girl superpower, if you will, is that I'm super resourceful. Um, so I'll give you just an example of this from back when I was in college is that I actually learned how to cook by being too broke to go to the grocery store. So I would dig through my pantry and I would find whatever ingredients I had. And I would literally Google different ingredients to see what I could make with them. So it was really that like, that's how I learned how to cook was I would, I found all these kind of unique creative recipes that I wouldn't have otherwise and just started trying to make stuff taste good. So maybe I could put off going to the grocery store for a few more days or whatever until my next paycheck or whatever the case may have been. So yeah, so resourcefulness. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. And for people who are listening um, that want to just have questions, um, want to learn more about Self-Lender, how can they keep up with you, read in touch with you? I mean, not read in touch with you, but how can they keep in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. So um, you guys are more than welcome to find me on Self-Lender. Um, it's just selflender.com or you can connect with me on LinkedIn, you know, Google Google Lauren Jackson with Self-Lender and you should be able to find me there. So. 
And I'll put your, I'll put that information in the show notes as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Bola. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for letting me totally derail the conversation and uh, take it in a new direction. And yeah. Thank you so much. This was great. Um, I'm sure the listeners are going to have a lot of feedback as to, (laughs) wow, like I'm just, I'm just, again, Lauren, I I think it's such a blessing that you recovered from that. Um, That is, you know, I I laugh a lot, especially when, you know, one of the things I I say is that I laugh so I don't cry. Mm -hmm. And just listening to your story, I definitely got emotional. And that's just, you know, my laughter is just my way of channeling (laughs) my emotion. Um, But it's definitely not, um, it's not, um, I know we're talking about, your situation as it relates to money and credit and where you work, but you know, we we all only have one life. And the fact mm-hmm. that you made this incredible recovery, like forget about the money, forget about the credit, forget about everything. Like the fact that you are here, um, after that, six percent chance. Like, wow. So thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode with Lauren. Um, Definitely, you know, not what I expected. Very deep, very, you know, when you think about life, you realize that we have to take every day that we have and value it and be grateful to be alive. And so um, I appreciate you guys for listening. Um, If you haven't already subscribed, please do. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. You can also listen to episodes and watch videos on our YouTube channel. And if you're loving the podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. I'll be back with a new episode very soon. Thank you guys so much for listening.